This is the Read and Instruction Show. I'm your host, as always, Dr. Andy Johnson. Today is the second in a three-part series of podcasts looking at culturally responsive teaching. What is it? Sometimes it's called culturally relevant pedagogy or culturally sustaining pedagogy. What is it? It seems incredibly important, but I want to know what is it. So I want to know what exactly I can do in my class. So in this whole quest for this, to get a better sense of things, I went back to Gloria Ladson Billings, always a great source. She describes culturally responsive teaching as consisting of three interacting and interconnected elements. The first is learning that focuses on students' intellectual growth. The second is cultural competence and inclusion. And the third is critical or socio-political consciousness. Now, neither of these by themselves can be said to be culturally responsive teaching. It's the interaction of these three that creates culturally responsive teaching. However, this is a great framework for moving forward in our understanding about what this might be, what culturally responsive teaching might be. So each of these three elements are described. The first one is intellectual growth. Learning here in this construct, in this framework, is understood as intellectual growth that students experience as a result of classroom instruction and other learning experiences. But intellectual growth is not confined to scores on a standardized test. Instead, intellectual growth includes enhanced capability in the use of problem solving, critical and creative thinking, moral reasoning, and communication skills all to address real life situations. In other words, it's an improvement in one's ability to solve problems and create products that are of value in one or more cultural settings. And this, by the way, is Howard Gardner's definition of intelligence, the ability to pro uh, solve problems, create products that are of value in one or more cultural settings. And yes, academic achievement as traditionally measured on standardized tests is still important. However, it's seen as a means to a greater end. That greater end is real-life problem-solving in order to achieve transformation on personal, environmental, and society or social levels. Toward this end, hence, thereforth, <laughs> culturally responsive teaching includes teaching some of the following, teaching students specifically problem-solving skills, teaching them critical and creative thinking skills, teaching them writing and oral communication, and teaching them social and interpersonal skills. It also means using some of the following types of teaching strategies, experiential learning, cooperative learning, discovery learning, inquiry learning, problem-based learning, contract learning, and service learning. However, by themselves, they aren't culturally responsive teaching. All of these things must take place in the context of cultural competence and inclusion, which I will describe next. 
This is the second part of these three interacting things, components or elements of culturally responsive teaching. The second one is cultural competence and inclusion. And there are four parts to this, okay? The first is that the teacher has an interest in students' cultures and lived experience. Now, it's not possible to have in-depth knowledge of all the cultures that students bring to the classroom or to completely understand all of students' lived experiences. However, it is possible to take an interest and to learn from your students. Of course, this is predicated on trust and relationships with the teacher and with other students in the class. Especially with traditionally marginalized groups and oppressed groups, trust must be earned. It also means that there has to be some sort of outreach in interaction between the teacher and the community at some level and families and students. Simply put, the teacher has to get out there and talk with the people. Finally, the teacher should also try to learn something about the art, the music, the writing that speaks to students. The second part of this second element is students' culture is used as the basis for learning. Students learn and learn more easily when new knowledge is connected to old knowledge. We all know that. There's plenty of research to support that. Thus, as stated above, culturally responsive teachers invite students to bring their cultures, their histories, experiences, values, art, music, and ways of seeing the world into the classroom. These are used as the basis for students' new learning. So in this way, curriculum and classroom instruction have some resemblance with the community from which the learners come. The third part of this second component is multiple, multiple communication styles are included, are embraced. Critical responsive teaching helps students understand and navigate cultural norms for communication. But rather than trying to negate or suppress students' current ways of communicating, they are taught how and when to code switch. That is, they are taught when it is and is not appropriate to use various types of language and writing styles. The goal is to enable students to appreciate and value their own ways of communicating while also learning to develop fluency in another way of communicating. Gloria Ladson Billings refers to the dominant academic language as the culture of commerce and social advancement. Now, critical responsive teaching does not diminish the language styles germane to any culture. Instead, it seeks to broaden students' cultural repertoire. The fourth element, the fourth part of this element, multiple communication styles are included. Oops, we already said that. The historical context of systemic racism is recognized and included. Now, cultural understanding of any group cannot be separated from a historical context of that group. So this calls for teachers to know a bit old history, 
Towards this end, I would recommend six powerful and well-written books as a starting place. An African-American and Latinx History of the United States by Paul Ortiz. Cast, The Origins of Our Discontent by Isabel Wilkerson. An Indigenous People's History of the United States by Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz. Now, more recent histories or histories of more recent times include a classic, the autobiography of Malcolm X by Malcolm X is told to Alex Haley, The Fire Next Time by James Baldwin, and Faces at the Bottom of the Well, The Permanence of Racism by Derek Bell. Now, these are just some of the many resources that provide a view of U.S. history that's a bit different from the whitewashed McGraw-Hill version of reality with which many of us grew up. <clears throat> this was a version that pranced lightly upon the slavery and exploitation of human beings at the beginning of our country. It also dismissed the Holocaust on this continent that consumed millions of indigenous people. These books can be used as assigned reading at the upper high school levels, but they can also be used to inform curriculum for students in grades one and above. But most importantly, they provide teachers with some of the historical perspective necessary to understand a student's culture. Now, the third element is to support students' critical consciousness, all right? Critical responsive teaching examines existing frameworks and practices. It includes learning experiences that invite students to critically examine established ways of thinking, of seeing, and of knowing. Critical responsive teaching invites students to examine and evaluate curriculum, textbooks, literature, policies, practices, and culture. And it does this using a racial equity and social justice lens. This means that students are given the tools to address social, cultural, economic, education, and political problems. In this way, students are to be able to become agents of change in addressing social justice and racial equity issues. The second part of this third component is it is reflective. Critical responsive teaching invites students to identify, examine, and clarify their own values. This is much more powerful and lasting than simply telling students what they should value or how they, how they should behave. So values clarification activities are used. These usually involve defining, listing, ranking, or rating things that students find important to them. These activities come in different forms, but they should have some or all of the following four characteristics. First, when doing values clarification activities, students' insights and ideas are respected. Teachers do not correct, evaluate, or validate students' responses. Second, students are free to make choices. Teachers do not lead students toward a predetermined choice or response. Third, there is a discussion or sharing of ideas either before or after the values clarification activity. And fourth, students are encouraged 
to consider both the positive and the negative consequences of their choices. Those are four characteristics of values clarification activities. Now, we're still looking at uh, uh, supporting students' critical consciousness. And the next part of this is it is empowering. Critical responsive teaching empowers students by offering choices about what they learn, how they learn, and how they demonstrate their learning. This reflects a student-centered approach to teaching and its movement away from the authoritarian, top-down relationships based on power and authority, and its movement towards equal relationships based on principles of respect and a shared set of values. So instead of using power to control students in the school or classroom, relationships are used to invite students to cooperate in creating an effective learning environment and meaningful learning experiences. Critical responsive teaching is emancipatory. It strives to liberate the mind from traditional ways of thinking which tend to reflect a white Eurocentric perspective. So it invites students to untether themselves from the mainstream canons of knowledge and conventional ways of knowing in order to think about things in new ways and to think about new things, to think outside the box. And finally, it incorporates real-life experiences Critical responsive teaching seeks to bring students' real-life experiences into the classroom. So instead of studying an abstract academic world defined by white Eurocentric cultural perspectives, learning is linked to students' lives to the greatest extent possible. So that means the issues and problems germane to students are incorporated into the curriculum. So again, strategies like experiential learning, service learning, and problem-based learning are used to make real-world problems and experiences the basis of students' learning. All right, we have been looking at critically, critically responsive teaching, or culturally responsive teaching, sorry, and it is comprised of three connecting elements. The first is learning that focuses on students' intellectual growth, and we define that. The second is cultural competence and inclusion, and we describe some elements there. And the third is critical or sociopolitical consciousness. This has been the Reading Instruction Show.